0: Good morning. Good to see everybody. Happy Father's Day. I'm a father of four. I have no hair left. It's rough. All right. So I'm going to begin. By the way, we have the soup kids with us. Some of them. I mean, there's three. There's like 12 of the kids. Um, Marley, you want to help me out? Come here. Isn't she cute? I want you to just write your name on the board. Spelled with an M, by the way. Very good. That's it. Do you spell it right? You can go sit down. Thank you. I, would spell it, I would spell it with a Y, but you know, if that's the way you want to spell it. Am I in a hot spot? You don't know? Okay. Um anybody got their keys with them today? David, hold yours up. You got your keys? Just hold those up. Okay. So Marley and David, had this been the Sabbath, would have violated it. It's like, what do you mean? Well. There were these Jewish interpretations, and we can read about these oral laws um, that are found in what's the Mishnah and the Talmud. These are oral teachings that had been put into print, and we can read these. They're actually very fascinating. And so they had these these interesting laws, and they built upon the laws that were already there. Okay. Now we know based on Jeremiah that it was forbidden to carry loads on the Sabbath and in Bible class we looked at a text from the book of Numbers there was a man who was stoned by the whole community because he was picking up sticks on the Sabbath now I, I want you to get into the tension today we're going I'm gonna bring you into the tension of things I hope that you leave very uncomfortable because <laughs> that's my purpose because that's what's happening in the text And we need to understand that they did these things because this was such a serious and sacred thing. And when we find something that's very serious and is very sacred, we we want to do those things in order to keep from violating those things. Now, the problem is they took them to extremes, right? They took them to extremes. One of the categories, and by the way, they had 39 categories for Sabbath. Not 39 laws. They had 39 categories, and every category had all of these laws as to what you could do on this particular thing. Okay, so you got to get into this. And one of the violations was to carry a key or a handkerchief or a wallet. A lot of us would have been in trouble. Uh, The other was writing more than one letter on Sabbath day there was another about tying and untying permanent knots you couldn't do that on the Sabbath day and we look at that and we think this is just crazy and what's really interesting is probably if the first century people came here today and joined us for worship they would probably be like what they're they're gonna look at some things we do and they're gonna be like what are you doing So, we're tempted to hate on the scribes and the Pharisees, and it's easy to look at them as a bunch of intolerant legalists. And today's lesson is not going to help you feeling this way about these people when you read it. But we also need to understand they provided a need, which is, here's a law, which is keep the Sabbath day holy. Okay, you can't harvest on Sabbath day and so they wanted to know well, what does that look like in my life okay and so they built these things around now as we said they they took them to extremes but but we can sit there and we can just downplay them all day long but guess what we do the same thing you know why because we enjoy a good Bible class we enjoy a good commentary we enjoy blogs of people that we trust and they're telling us how to live out the law that is given in Scripture okay and guess what none of them are perfect even translators are not perfect you understand this about your Bibles not that I don't trust my Bible it's just I realize it's very difficult taking something from Aramaic and Hebrew and Greek and then putting it into our English version and words that we understand that make sense to us so let's just get into this let's look at chapter 2 we're gonna start in verse 23 one Sabbath he was going through the grain fields and, there may, and, uh, and as they made their way his disciples began to pluck heads of grain and the Pharisees were saying to him look why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath and he said to them have you never read what David did when he was in need and he was hungry he and those who were with him now he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the, pre, the high priest and ate the, the bread of the of the presence which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat and he also gave it to those who were with him And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So we see this controversy. It's over fast food, isn't it? Going and and plucking these these few heads of grain in order to have a snack. And we look at this, and we may, and I mentioned this in class, we may look at it as you know somebody goes to a grocery store and they pick out a, a handful of grapes and they're gonna go around the grocery store and they're gonna eat those grapes and they're never paying for them that's stealing but according to the law this was okay but the pharisees came back and said okay yeah but you can't do this on sabbath because if you do this on sabbath then it's, concern, it's concerned uh, uh, in the category of harvesting of wheat this is how this is kind of how they, they work these things. Now, when we hear law, we think of something that is very different than what God intended for that word to mean, because we use that word law today, and it has a very negative connotation. Not that we don't appreciate laws, especially those that we keep. <laughs> it's the ones that we, we don't keep that we're like, well, there's a problem with that law. But look, when, when it's used as law, it's talking about something that's instruction. Think in terms of wisdom. Wisdom. So God gave us this, these instructions to bless us. He gave us these instructions not as a burden, but they were intended as a blessing. Okay, you, you see this. and it, Because it's very important. Uh, because... I'm not talking about making rules that, that no longer benefit mankind when I talk about burdens I'm talking about we just follow a law because it makes us feel like we're being holy it makes us feel like that we are appeasing God because we do that thing rather than understanding why that thing was given and we want to be obedient to God that's not what we're saying here but we sometimes just follow laws and we do it for that purpose so in our text Jesus' disciples are hungry but the Pharisees but for the Pharisees it was more important that they not eat that day than it was for them to get a snack Jesus brings out one of their classic movies he pulls out one of the greatest action heroes of the First Testament, King David. Now he wasn't king at this particular time, which he's referring to First Samuel chapter 21. And this is when he's running from King Saul, King Saul wants to take his life. And he's running from King Saul, and he goes to the tabernacle, which is in Nob, and he goes to the priest and he asks for bread. And the priest said, I don't have any common bread. All I have is what is this consecrated, holy bread. And in class, we talked about this a little bit more. This is the bread that came right out of the holy of holies. Every Sabbath day, there was a new batch that was made. And it would replace those other 12 uh, pieces of bread. And it's like, well, what happened to the old bread? It must have been moldy. No. They actually was given to the priest. And the priests were to eat it in the holy place. Why? Because it was to be eaten in the presence of Yahweh, of God. That's why it's sometimes called the bread of presence. David is not a priest and yet david is going to take half of those loaves and he's going to take them with him and he's going to eat them and you would think the pharisees would have a real problem with this but they don't you know why because the scriptures indicate to us that what david did was okay it was okay he was tired he was hungry there's a physical need he is the anointed of God So here's Jesus, and Mark has gone out of his way to highlight his authority. We've talked about this over the last few weeks, over the physical, the spiritual realm. And he is, and he is even said here in the text, that he is from the house of David and that he is Lord of the Sabbath. That's the authority Jesus had. He is Lord of the Sabbath the Sabbath he is Lord then also of these man-made laws that have been applied to the Sabbath as well when Jesus strips the Sabbath down and he strips it down to its bare bones he says listen this is what it's about Sabbath was given as a blessing it was given as a means of blessing mankind man was not given for the Sabbath Sabbath was given for humanity hmm. think about the instructions that you don't really care for of God whatever it is and you say oh no I like them all really really love your enemies you always like that one uh... what about what about um, submitting to authority that's a fun one um, here we live in this day and age, uh, in our world where abstaining from sex is looked at as a weird thing, and we may not like that, but it's easier to turn traditions into these laws, but God gives us what he gives us, not to bind us, but to free us. He gives these things to liberate us. I ask, uh, mentioned in class Joseph Shulam. He is a Messianic Jew in Jerusalem, and he is just brilliant. He's, he's just brilliant. I've heard him speak on a few occasions and at Lipscomb. I asked him one time, and I, afterwards I said, Look, have we Gentiles gotten this thing wrong? Should we be keeping the Sabbath? And this is what he said. He said, No, but you'd be a fool not to. And what he was saying is, you don't need to look at this as a law. You need to look at it as this was a blessing from God. That, by the way, goes back to creation, if you really dig into this thing. So it's interesting how we perceive these things. All right, let's keep going. Chapter 3. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the sabbath so they might accuse him and he said to the man with the withered hand come here and he said to them is it lawful on the sabbath to do good or to do harm to save life or to kill but they were silent I love Jesus's questions and he looked around at them with anger. Okay, look at this. This is Jesus. He's angry. He's grieved. Why? Because of the hardness of their hearts. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out, and immediately, on that day, immediately, He held, they held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Wow. Somehow, we have to strip apart our traditions and our man-made laws in order to find out what were the scriptures all about in the beginning. And that is not to say that traditions are wrong. Traditions can be very good. They can be very beneficial. We have things that we do and we've done this morning that are traditional. Okay? That's okay. That's not what we're talking about. It's when we began to make those traditions into salvation issues into something that is a right or wrong situation and what Jesus says to them absolutely rocked their world he made them so uncomfortable so guess what I'm here to do for you this morning I want you to be uncomfortable I'm coming for all of you okay so I want you to understand what I'm doing before I do it. I don't have an agenda to drive, except I want you to feel what they feel. Because you know what? When we mention the Sabbath day violations, that does nothing to us. That that doesn't mean anything to us. But there are things that do mean something to us, such as the Lord's Supper. It's sacred it is as sacred as sabbath was for the jews if our argument is to do our certain thing is brother so-and-so taught us or if our argument is well the church of christ has always done it that way you're gonna really struggle with jesus what if we took communion back to Jesus in the upper room what did it look like what did it sound like what did it smell like what was its essence and if we brought it back and did it just like they did on that day would we be uncomfortable today's lesson is not about the Lord's Supper I just want you to feel some tension we could change the words of the Pharisees and what they said in the text and say look why are they doing what is not lawful for communion and I want you to think in your mind well what would that be and we've come up with lots of things over the years And not all of these things, does everybody deal with these things, but there are things that we believe, okay, because this day is sacred, that we have these things that we believe is what keeps it sacred. Such as what someone wears on the table. Or it has to be a Christian that carries trays around. It has to be men Who can pass those trays around? And you say, that's a violation. Really? Tell you what, find me a communion table or communion trays in Scripture, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But His communion is sacred to us. Jesus is Lord of communion just as much as He was Lord of. Uh, Of the Sabbath. In fact, we call it the Lord's Supper. So, last week we talked about the expectations of fasting. It's a spiritual discipline, it's intended for good, but it had become a prerequisite for those who would be considered spiritual leaders, those who would be spiritual people. You can't take that person seriously if they're not fasting twice a week. Let's add more tension. What if people don't come to the intercessory prayer group? Are they less of a Christian? Are they unfit to be in leadership? Is it good? Yes. But it's easy for us to draw off of these things. And say this is what a spiritual person does. Some of us were raised in a time when we remember that uh, there were churches called non-institutional churches. You don't see them very often; they're very rare, and so they did not believe in Bible classes. And there's still some out there because the Bible never mentions Bible classes. And so those who have Bible classes, those are considered liberal, and we. We look back, even in all our conservatism, and we say, you're getting together and studying the Bible together. Come on, seriously. Well, now that's kind of flipped a little bit for us in our culture. And, and rather than having the traditional Bible class, we can look at having small groups and homes. That is better. I like it. I love what we do with our life group. Love my life group. But you can't judge those who like a traditional Bible class. You can't judge those as being less spiritual. Or if, if we don't do it my way, and this way may be good, it may even be better. But I'm talking about how we set up laws on top of our own laws. Let's turn up the heat. Y'all ready? All right, I'm I'm trying to make you feel uncomfortable. If I hadn't yet, I'm gonna get a lot of you right now. Some of us grew up hearing that it was a sin to use instrumental music, and it was, and it still is for some, a salvation issue. And we say, well, yeah, Ephesians chapter 5, 19, and Colossians 3, verse 16. We've quoted those many times. I've quoted those many many times over the years in preaching and in teaching and everything else here's the problem with using that is the Bible because it's not about worship it has nothing to do with corporate worship it actually has to do with everyday life we want to keep worship sacred it's it's not an intent to try to make people feel a certain way now, evidently we don't use instruments and there's no plan to do that. I could give you a whole lesson, probably a series of lessons of why I believe a cappella music is beautiful, it's unique, it is inspiring, it is worshipful. I I love it. But I don't have verses to condemn those who don't. Many other rules have come along. Our way as time has progressed, and we see—I see it out there. You probably don't as much as I do, just because I get things. But you know, things against praise teams, things against clapping and worship, things such as um, you know raising hands. And, and I don't believe we should judge people who are uncomfortable with those things. I don't think we should say, well, you need to be doing that. If you did those things, because guess what? Now we, we are doing right the opposite. I grew up in a time, and if you read first century worship, you don't see this, but I grew up in a time where worship was supposed to be solemn. And we use the word reverence to describe that time. That actually something came through the eighteen hundreds people feel this way because they're protecting something that is sacred sacred is important to us we want to do and be pleasing to God we can find ourselves reacting like the Pharisees Pharisees wanna destroy Jesus they want to destroy his ministry I actually knew a preacher in Nashville, he was retired. He's since passed away. Some of you probably know his name if I called his name. He went to a quote-unquote liberal Church of Christ every week just to see what they were saying so that he could expose them. You, you, you read what we just read, and you're going to see it's the same thing. I've known church members who've started meeting secretly in homes and writing letters signing petitions because they didn't like something that's being done and they wanted this leadership or whatever it may be or preacher out of there and, and even to the point of wiretapping I know you think I'm crazy I, and and I get it I understand why you think that this was one congregation I will not even call its name but this was 10 years before I had gotten there and a preacher had been fired There was a split that was coming it was a real issue between the elders and the minister and they actually found a microphone in the elders office and they went and they saw the wire went all the way outside to the preacher's office and he was he was recording everything they were saying folks I can't make I can't make up that kind of stuff that's on the flip side we gotta be careful labeling people those who feel passionate about their traditions that are not making them a binding issue they are not trying to be difficult some may be but I don't believe that's the intent and so we give them time they will struggle even when they know it's not a salvation issue this is why I wanted to bring you into the drama because I want you to feel the story I want you to be in the tension because it's easy for us to see how the Pharisees were being ridiculous over the Sabbath but when we bring our own modern day things in into it then it's like whoa, wait a second that makes me very uncomfortable and even things that I know are not a biblical issue a thus saith the Lord issue even if we did it I would be uncomfortable that's a human part of our nature we feel the emotions with change eventually many of the priests though this is what I want you to see many of the priests were obedient to the faith these pharisees who are there and doing and saying the things they're saying they're going to be Many of them who are going to be coming from the party of the Pharisees. But let me tell you something. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 15 tonight, you'll see it. They're still struggling. They now are no longer trying to oppose Jesus. They're for Jesus. But in the process, they've got a real problem with this thing of this, you know, this new covenant with Christ and, and circumcision and Gentiles and all of this thing. Like they have, sacred that they have been raised with. And even one of Jesus' own apostles, his main leader in the apostles, Peter, you read the book of Galatians, we went through it. Guess what? Several years later, he's still struggling. We struggle. We struggle. And that's why we have to get in the tension. Because we've got to be able to say, okay, I don't like this, but I've got to peel it back. And I've got to say, what is this about? What is this about? And don't lose sight of the text itself. He says, what this is all about is doing good. What's what's better on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? Now let me bring you into the tension. Let's say next week, elders get up and they make an announcement uh or make an announcement today. Next week we're not having our regular worship. Instead of doing that, we're going to go out and we're going to help this family that really needs some help and we're going over there and we're going to minister to them in all kinds of ways. Now, now it's easy to say, well why can't we do that on Saturday? Ah now you're in the tension. Was this a life and death situation in this text? This man with a withered hand? Could he have waited a few hours? By the way, Sabbath goes from Friday at sunset until Saturday at sunset. Could he not have waited till sunset to heal this man? Could I mean could he have just come back the next day and healed this man? Yes but what Jesus is showing us is when there's an opportunity to do good just do it just do it even if it's in the way of the sacred let's go a little bit further I want to get even more into that tension let's just say you know there is a church and they're inviting all the churches around and, and and we would just say this church we do not agree with there's some things Thus saith the Lord, we absolutely would not agree with. But what they're wanting to do is do something that is helping the poor. And they want to do it on a Saturday. Now, it's easy to say, well, you know what? Why can't we just do our own? Ah, we're in the tension. When we have an opportunity to do good, do it. Don't worry about the politics. Even even things that are sacred to us. Jesus could have waited a day before he healed the man with a withered hand. But he doesn't. This is very uncomfortable text. And that's why I added our own modern day examples to it. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus did not come to make us feel better about what we do. He came to change us to be like Him. And the minute we think we've got it all figured out, guess what? We ain't got any of it figured out. Jesus said, Do you realize what it said in that text? Jesus is angry. And we looked this word up in class, it means fury rage. And it says he was also grieved at the same time. Why is he angry and feel sorry for these people at the same time? He says it's the hardness of their hearts. Do you know what that word means? It's strong. It means they were unwilling to look at things and keep an open mind. They were unwilling to look at things and be open minded about it. You want Jesus to be angry at you? Have that attitude. You want Jesus to be feel sorry for you? That's a good way to do it. The text shows us not everybody changed, more than likely. Not everyone here is going to change. Not everyone here. In fact, some of you are thinking, you know what? I don't like this. It's Father's Day. It's terrible text. I'm going to write a letter to the elders, and I'm going to sign my name anonymous so that they'll know I'm really angry, and I'm going to get rid of that guy. I don't appreciate this. I don't like the way he challenges us sometimes. That's okay. Seriously, it's okay. You do that. This really isn't between me and you. See, that's the problem we have. We think it's between, it's between us. not. It wasn't between the Pharisees and the disciples who had plucked the grain. You know who it was between. It was between those Pharisees and Jesus. And that's where it lays today. This is where it is. This is, that's the issue we have to wrestle with. And I'm going to tell you, I I try as hard as I can. I've come a long way in, in a lot of ways. I could tell you things And you would just be like, your mind, your, your head would explode. It would really, I'll just give you one example. This was my home congregation. And there was a lady, she got so mad, threatened to leave because the preacher, wasn't me, I was just a kid. But the preacher wore something other than a white shirt to preach in. They had on a suit and tie, but he wore a blue shirt. Preachers don't wear blue, blue shirts. See, I mean, you just need some, you need some duct tape at this point. And just wrap around your head so it doesn't explode, right? But, but, but let's also understand why we are that way. I, it's not because we just hate Jesus. It's because we see these things that are sacred, and we want them to remain sacred. And when people do those things that aggravate you and you say, you're being ridiculous, I want you to keep that in mind. They're trying to take something and they believe is sacred and, they're try- and, and you can help them to come along. But even when you help them to come along, I'm here to tell you, it's, they're still going to struggle. Because guess what? You may have a problem with them. Somebody else is going to have a problem with you. And we're going to struggle too. It's a human nature thing. Jesus brings us into the tension. You may say, well, you know, none of this made me feel any tension. Listen, get with me afterwards. I'll work on you. I'm going to do my best to make you feel uncomfortable. But look, I love every one of you. My goal is not to make you mad and for you to leave. I, I did want you to feel the tension, but that's, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see where he is and that we have to say everything runs through the lordship of jesus christ and not on our own man-made traditions and those traditions are good but it doesn't but we can't make them into something that is sacred itself father we come to you this day and we just come and we pray and we ask you to be with us father we are we are frail we are fragile, Father, we mess up, we think sometimes we've got the right thing, and, and, and Father, we struggle to see anything else, and Father, we just, we, we're trying, we're trying, and even, Father, in our efforts to keep these things that you have given to us as sacred and holy, Father, we know that we can, we can even mess that up. Father, help us just to continue to see you and help us and guide us and lead us. Father, we pray your Holy Spirit helps us in these things because we need it. And we're going to need all the help that we can get. But Father, we, we come to you and most of all, we thank you for your grace and your mercy because we don't deserve it but father you love us so much even despite those times that we just can't mentally get a grasp on things father you still love us we aggravate you but we know in the end that you love us and that's why you were there and you were standing before the Pharisees that very day because you love us you love all humanity and father we come before you we submit to you And we lay it all out before you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're not a child of God, and you want to be, and if you're sitting there and you're worried about, well, you know what, I'm not perfect. Well, you've found the right place. We're not perfect. We're striving for it. That's important. It's very important. And and if we can help you in any way, it it may be baptism, maybe it's, uh, you need, first of all, you just need to develop a faith and trust in Jesus. Let me tell you, that's where it all begins. If you don't get that, I don't care whatever, whatever else you do, it won't matter what you do if you don't get this trust, this trust in Jesus.